Get your Bibles down and go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Last day of the year. Amen. So we got to do good today, don't we? Yeah. I have to do good today. I'll do a good job. I'll do, a, I'll do the best I can. I'm going to leave the rest to God. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's me. Amen. So before Christmas, I was preaching out of 1 Peter. So we're going to go back there, close out the year. Do I have any idea what I'm doing in, after Mary Fran? Not really. I have some things I'm praying about, but I don't, have, I don't always know exactly which way to go. But this keeps sticking out to me because I have a, I have a question. How many of y'all want next year to be good? I do. I do. Good doesn't just happen. Now, that may, that's quite a thought for some people because in America today, we're not, we don't like changing. And we don't like to hear that we have to change. We're just kind of hoping that God would make the year better. Well, he's not going to without you and I cooperating with him. So if we want something to change, we've got, we've got to be willing to change. Do y'all see that? Now, I'm going to read a scripture to you because he's laying out what we need to do to see God move in our life and to have a good life. Now, look at this scripture, 3.10. He who would love life and see good days. What he's fixing to do is give you a formula for a good life. The world has an idea about success. It is not correct. Listen to me. I'm going to read something out of this. I wrote it down. It's from Miles Monroe. You were never born to be a success. You were born to make a difference. Now that's that's a powerful statement because the world is seeking success, but the Christians should seek to make a difference. The grassroots and starting point of that, that is the grassroots and starting point of your vision. To be a success, just to be a success is not vision, it's selfish ambition. The world thinks that a college education... And working hard and a good job is the key to success. It is not. No, it is not. The Bible has something very different to say about you having a good life. There's a lot of people with a college degree with money that are not successful. Their marriages are not a success. Their families are not a success. Anything you do that pulls you away from God is not going to make you successful. Now, I think the church needs to hear this today because there's a divide going on right now between the world and the church, and it's getting blatant who walks with God and who does not. So I want to read this to you, and I'm going to read the rest of it. He who would love life and see good days, number one, didn't say anything about college, even though college in itself is not bad. Refrain your tongue from evil. Your lips from speaking deceit, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to your prayers. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The secret to successful life or a good life is having God on your side. If you would do me a favor now and go to John chapter 1. Say next year year. is going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm planning on the best year that I've ever had. Amen? Amen. But I'm also reading, studying, and looking at the Word to see what I'm doing. And, I'm gonna, and, I, and we're going to get into that. You're going you're gonna to walk out and go, that was, that was some, of the best, that's some of the best preaching I ever heard in my life. But it's not because of me. I, read, I got out of the Bible. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out and said, This is he whom, whom I said, he, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, the law could not save you. The law couldn't change your life. All it could do was show you the right way to go. But there is no, Moses didn't bring you grace. Grace came with the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But right now in America today, we're hearing a lot about grace. We call grace in America unmerited favor. It's actually way more than that. I'm going to give you a definition. You may not remember it, but if you can, write it down. Grace is God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. You could not save yourself, so he did that for you. You could not wash yourself. He did that. You could not redeem yourself. You could not defeat Satan, so he did that. So grace is God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself, or it's favor. It's God treating you like you've done no wrong. That's powerful, isn't it? But he said grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm going um, to read something to you here, and, I, and I, want you to, I want you to think about what I'm fixing to read because I, I spent a lot of time thinking before I wrote it down. Everybody who is a born-again Christian, everybody on the earth is at a different place in life. We all are. The world who does not know Jesus, they are at a place in their life. They're, they're, we call them sinners. I think they, take, they don't like being called that. They, we call them unchurched. We call them lost, non-Christians. But they're at a place. Then there's people who are born again. They have received Jesus as Lord, been washed in the blood. And we call them born-again Christians, and they've received grace. Then there is another group of people on the earth who heard about Jesus and then they heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and they walked into a church like this and they received the Holy Ghost. When they heard the truth, the truth set them free, then they they stepped into that truth and received the grace of that. Then there are people who have walked into church and heard about the prosperity message. When they heard that truth, it began to affect their life and they began to prosper financially. All right. So every time God wants to do something in your life, he's going to have to do it 
by giving you truth. Now think about what I just said. You have never received any grace that you didn't receive truth first. Am I right? In other words, go into all the world and preach truth so the people can receive the truth and be born again. Am I right? Then they, re- they preached on the Holy Ghost. People received the Holy Ghost. They preached on healing. People received healing. But you understand that not everybody is ready to hear it. Now, what I just said is an amazing statement. And we're going to go there today. We're going to talk about this a little bit. Whatever level you are on in life is according to the truth you can hear. Let's stop and think about that a minute. Because I'm going to say, looking around the room, I, I don't, if there's any of you not saved, then come forward to the end of the service, we will re- you can receive Jesus. And I'd say looking around the room, probably everybody in here is born again. But you, that came through you hearing truth. Now let's, let's stop for a minute and think about this. Let's pretend for a minute that I got to go to Iraq and preach Jesus. How many of you know that some of them might not be willing to hear that? I mean, it's hard. There are cultures that are, it is hard for them to hear what we're saying. Because they got, well, we got our Allah, and, and, and we believe that if we die in jihad, we go to heaven. And that's a lie. It's a lie. But they believe it, and in order for God, God, Jesus loves them. He loves the Muslims. He loves loves everybody on the earth. But not everybody is willing to hear him. And, And our heart, my heart, and I think yours does too, it goes out to people who are not saved. And we go, oh, you need to just hear this. And many of you have said, you need to come to my church and hear the pastor. And the people make excuses and they don't come because they don't want to hear it. Are y'all hearing me? All right. Listen to this statement. Every breakthrough, now we're talking about your year now, is going to be a breakthrough in truth. You're going to have a breakthrough in truth before you have a breakthrough in anything. Every breakthrough will come on the wings of humility. Can you hear that? You're thinking, aren't you? Because no matter where you are, there are still things God wants to do in you. And you're praying about a better year. But what you're actually asking for is God to show you truth you don't know. And just like me going, and let's say this with love and grace, I grew up in a Baptist church, but let's pretend for a minute that I got invited to First Baptist Church. The pastor invited me to come preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I would go. And I didn't love it. How many of you know there's people there that would hear me and receive it and get filled with the Spirit? 
How many of you know there's people there who would not hear anything I say? I've had people while I'm preaching, I was preaching on prosperity one time. When I'm preaching on prosperity, it is for your benefit. But, but, you, but people have heard, they've heard so long, man, preachers after your money. And I've had people get up, right, I'm preaching on prosperity, and walk out the door. They can't hear it. They don't want to hear it. So we understand that there are types of people, but every breakthrough that God is going to do in your life will be on your ability to hear truth and walk in the light of it. That means that if you want a better life, you got to hear things that right now you either don't know them or you don't agree with them. Well, that's a statement. You say, I'm believing for a breakthrough. Well, so I'm going to tell you where my sermon began. Now, let me, let me read one more statement that I wrote. The only grace you have in this life is in proportion to the truth you embrace. That's a statement, isn't it? The only grace that's working in you right now is in proportion to the truth you have embraced. I'm going to tell you where my sermon began, and I'm going to use one guy, but it's really more than one guy. I got asked by a man. Um, there was a young man that used to go to this church. He was in the youth group. And when he got of, uh, of teenage years, he left the church. And he got involved in drugs. And uh, I heard about him through the grapevine. And um, after he got out of prison, I had an opportunity to go spend about an hour with him. And, and I'm going to tell you all, I was looking very, very forward to it. Now, I want you to hear my heart because I think my heart's like yours. I was excited about this time with him because even though he had messed up his life, already married, already divorced, broke, I know that God loves him. I know that he can have a better life. And I had talked to him on the phone, and he had been very receptive. And I had a mentality that because he went to jail, that he had a different attitude. And he seemed to say that he did. So I was looking forward to the day. So I went and picked him up, and I was driving him someplace to... And, and, um, and I got, we got in a conversation about what he did in his past. And how many of you know the Bible says, take off the old man, but put on the new one. So in my conversation, I, I wanted to get to the point where I wanted to talk to him about what are you going to do now? And he did not want to hear it. And it really bothered me because... He didn't say that to me. He didn't say, I don't want to hear it. But when I started talking to him about how's your walk with God? Well, you know, I mean, I'm pretty busy. What is he saying to me? I don't want to hear it. He's not busy. He's not, your life is a wreck. You don't even have a job. You're not busy. 
And I realized right then that he had no intention of doing anything. In other words, I don't want the drug lifestyle. I don't want the hell, but I also don't want to hear what you have to say to me. What I thought was going to happen and what I would have loved to have happened. Now, now I want you to hear my heart, and I think all of y'all will agree with this. I wanted to get in my truck and have him say, I am tired of the way I am living. I'm tired of the drugs. I'm tired of the strife. I'm tired of the devil. I want to walk with God, Pastor. That's what I wanted to hear. And I didn't hear it. And, I, and what could I say? Nothing. Now, I was listening to a minister of the gospel last week. And if I named his name, all of you would know him. He's on television. And he said these words. He said, when I go home to my family at Christmas. Now, this particular preacher grew up way in the country. Outhouses, chickens in the yard, pigs in the backyard. I mean, by God, country boy. But he's not a country boy now. He said, when I go home for Christmas, there are certain subjects I can't bring up around my family because they don't want to hear it. They got their religion, and that's what they want. He said, if, it, if I bring it up, it would only cause trouble at the dinner table. Now, this guy is one of the best preachers in the world. Now, think about the fact that you get to sit at a table with one of the best preachers in the world, and you don't really care what he thinks. You know, and that's his family, and he, want, he loves his family, but he can't help them. I'm doing good so far, aren't I? All right. I'm not just talking about his relatives. We're going to talk about us right now. In, in, in John 8, 31, Jesus said these words. He said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And he answered and said, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'd be made free? Now, let's think about what he just said now. Because only to the degree you can hear truth and walk in truth will you be free. That means if you're not walking in truth, there, you're never going to be free. I don't care if you go to church. Got quiet on me real quiet. Every one of us in this room right now are at a different place in God than other people in the room. Just like me riding down the road with this young man, I wanted him to go forward. I wanted him to have a better life. I was unable to help him. He did not want to hear it. I wonder sometimes, and I'm talking about you and me now, 
How many places does God want to take us? He loves us dearly. What kind of breakthrough does he want us to have this year? What kind of thing are we dealing with that he wants to get in the middle of and take you through it and take you on where you have never been before? Are you able to hear a truth that might be different than what you've ever heard before? That's where we struggle because the hardest people to minister to are people who've been in church a while. The, the people who come in off the street, that's a, those are people are easy. They know they're messed up. But people who've been in church for 20 years, you don't know you are. It is, it is more difficult because we kind of go, um, I heard that. Well, I know that. I heard that. I got that. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. <laughs> I go looking for truth in places. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now so y'all know. I'm back listening to Keith Moore on humility again. And I'm going to tell you it's very difficult for me to hear it. Thank y'all for y'all's enthusiasm. I think, I think that your pastor needs to grow. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm harder on me than you think I am. I, this is a very hard job in the sense that I'm dealing with so many different kinds of people. And I want you to hear God, not Daryl. And I, and I am constantly praying that my personality does not get in the way of God. And I can tell you there's times that my personality has gotten in the way. But... But I have to embrace truth to change. Are y'all listening? All, all of us do. We're, if you think that you've arrived, you need to listen to the same series I'm listening to on Pride right now. And Keith Moore is going down and he's talking about all these things. And I'm going, well, I can stop right now. That's going to take a month to get over that one. And then he says something at the beginning of it. He says, now, here's two things you can't do. You start hearing about pride, you're going to start seeing a lot of it in your life. He said, next thing you're going to see it is in your spouse. And you're going to shut up. I went, that's hard. So the more you study a subject, the more you see it in you and everyone. And so for me to sit and listen to Lisa and have her doing something that's so proud, and I'm going, it would be pride for me to say something right now. <laughs> but, you know, I want to grow, and I want her to grow, and I want all of us to grow. But I'm beginning to realize, just like that young man, I don't want to be that way when God has a man or someone across my path that wants to share with something with me. I don't want to be, I don't want to hear it. That's dangerous, folks. I don't, I don't want to be that man. Okay, let me read something else here. Go to Matthew 13, and let me see if we can make some sense out of this. Say, next year, next year. the best year, best year of my life. All right, let's start with verse 13, verse 4. Uh, or verse 3, it says, I spoke a parable 
Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell on stony places, and they did not have much earth, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. And if you're from Jersey, it's root, root, root. Did I say that right? Root and root. I'm not, I'm not picking on just people from New Jersey, just certain people from New Jersey. But when, uh-huh, but when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root and they withered away and some fell among thorns. The thorns sprang up and choked them and others fell on good ground, yielded a crop a hundred, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What's he saying? He's, listen, this is God in the flesh talking to people and he's saying, do you have ears to hear what I'm saying? Did you know the Pharisees didn't hear him? Did they? No. They, he, truth is sitting there. I mean, God in the flesh is sitting talking to you. You can't get any bigger than that. I mean, we're talking TV evangelists. We're talking Kenneth Copeland, Andrew Walmart. We're talking Jesus Christ sitting on a rock and talking to you face to face. And he's saying, Can you, are you listening to me? Can you hear what I'm saying? And he's telling a parable because he so wants to do something in their life. So let's hear the parable. And and every time I get to the word hear, I want you to say it with me. Verse 10, the disciples came and says, why do you speak in parables? And he said, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, that's us, to us more will be given. Who has... And we will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what we have will be taken away. That's talking about non-Christians. Even what they have will eventually be taken away from them. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing, they don't see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is filled, which says, hearing, you will hear. And you shall not understand, seeing you'll see and not perceive, for the heart of this people have grown dull, for their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have, not, they have closed, lest they should see with their ears and hear with their ears. They would understand with their heart, and I would heal them. What's he talking about? He's, he's talking about There is so much I want to do in your life, but it is totally dependent on you hearing me. How many of you parents have ever said, are you listening? How many of you young people of your parents said, are you listening to me? Corfee, ever? (laughs) Ever, Corfee, once, twice, Lindbergh, ever, in it, ever, come on, oh, come on. I know, I remember my grandfather, he'd come over and talk to me, and I'm like, I don't want to hear all of you old man. <laughs> my grandfather, my sister sent me a book 
of horticulture where he co-authored it. I met a man the other day at a restaurant here, I was eating lunch, who went to the University of Georgia, and I said, you went to Athens? He said, yes. And I said, did you take hold of culture? He says, I did. I said, I'm George Fire's grandson. He said, I studied under George Fire. He said, that was the professor who taught me. I have the smartest, what do you call uh, uh, horticulturist in the world, and I don't care about anything he has to say. Now I'm looking back going, I should have listened to my grandpa. <laughs> but you know, when you're young, and see, I'm out today, I'm out to this because not only the young people in our culture today, they're growing up in church, but they're not hearing what we're saying. Now, I have a concern. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. I came out of the world, and I'm going to tell you all something. I ain't going back. In 22 years of age, I was already a felon. I was already had a, a, um, a record, already been to jail, strung out on dope, broke, sick, and I met Jesus. You, you don't know what it's like to be in the world without God. And you meet Jesus, and that's, that's precious to me. The day he forgave me, and the day he washed me, and the day he accepted me, and the day he filled me, and the day that he called me, and he paid my bills and healed my body and set me apart, that is precious to me. But now I've got kids that are growing up in church and you don't know what the blood is. You don't, you don't know what it can do. You don't know what the word means. You don't know you have a church. You, this is one of the best churches in all of the world and you have an opportunity to be in it. Do you know what you've got? Are you listening? And yet, the, 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 the younger generation is looking to college. Excuse me? You can go to hell going to college, honey. That's not success. No, it's not. You're not successful because you have money. You're successful because you know the word and you have Jesus and you have a personal walk with almighty God. That's what makes you successful. Now, is college good? Yeah, just stay saved in it. Because they're going to test your faith. They're going to indoctrinate Jesus right out of you if they can. And you better walk in strong, baby. You better walk in there so full of God that the people sitting in the desk next to you fall out in the power. Mark Hankins went to, to college and he got into arguments with the professors. Now, I'm not saying that that was the right approach but when you know God so good, you can argue with an assembly of God professor and straighten their theology out. You know God. 
So that's my concern. My concern is this generation right now, they're being, they're being told a, a very large pack of lies from hell and they're, and they're not listening anymore. I don't want to hear it. I got me a guy, I'm going to college, I don't want to hear it. I got a good job, I got money, I don't want to hear it. You better hear it. Because one day you're going to get married. There are things money cannot buy. One day you're going to get sick and you're going to find out doctors are still practicing. There's a sign outside said practitioner. They weren't lying. They're working on you to see if they can figure out what they're doing. And you don't know whether he passed with A's or D's. You don't know nothing about this man. One guy told me, he says, are you over 50? I said, yes. He said, I need to operate on you. I said, you ain't putting a knife on me, Jack. I don't care if you are a doctor. Oh, no, shout me down. But my concern is, just like the young man that I was talking to, I thought, I, I, I wanted to help him. I want to know how much God wants to help us. How many of us have gotten to where we're like, I know that. Your breakthrough next year is going to come through your ability to hear truth. I don't know how many Christians are ready for that. Um, this, I've had people in this church, I think I said this a while ago. You're preaching on prosperity. I grew up broke. You don't know, you don't know how bad that is. Until you, you're looking in the refrigerator and there is nothing in it. And you live in a house where there's no heat or air condition. You have a wood stove for heat. Some of y'all understand this, but I grew up like that. Not, not in my boyhood, but one, after I got married. My, my house when I was a boy, I grew up in with my mother. We had heat. But after I, after I left home at 18 because I was so smart, I was cutting firewood for heat. Making biscuits out of flour and water and, and, and fat back. There's, you know, you don't, when you're poor and you, and you don't even have enough money to buy a Coke, you got to pull out the, one of those little doors with the Cokes, you pop the lid off, you can put a glass under it, and I think they figured that out. Of course, Cokes were only a dime, but I couldn't buy one. When you grow up like that, and someone you hear about prosperity, you want to know. What am I doing? But you have people that'll get up, and we'll be preaching on prosperity, and then they'll leave, and we'll... And we'll, um, we'll, we'll write them a letter and say, how are you doing? Haven't seen you in church. Well, I can't come back as long as y'all going to preach that prosperity message. I'm like, well, we are. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what, what happened that they couldn't hear? Yeah. Well, it's not, we're, we didn't write the Bible. What happened to you that you can't hear it? And then we'll preach on, and right into my sermons, if you're new here, I'll actually speak in tongues while I'm preaching. And I've had people get up and walk out. How did you go to church, read a Bible all your life, and not see tongues in it? And why does it offend you that the third person of the Godhead comes to church? <laughs> that one has always got me 
We don't mind the Father and we don't mind the Son, but that Holy Ghost business. Well, the Holy Ghost is God. <laughs> I don't, I'm like clueless in Seattle, really. So, so, so you understand that there are people, for whatever reason, they have decided, I'm not listening. Now, let's read the rest of this. I want you to see this. Verse 18, therefore, hear the parable. Don't just hear it with your ears. I mean, I want you to listen to me. Jesus is talking. I want you to hear this. Do you know the parable? He said, if you know this parable, you understand the whole Bible. This is the Mac Daddy of all parables in the Bible. All right, now listen to what he said. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom, this is a non-believer, and doesn't understand it, when the wicked one comes, snatches it away, what was sown in his heart, he receives seed by the wayside. He heard the gospel, did him no good. He who receives seed on stony places, this is a Christian. This is he who hears the word, gets excited about it, buys the CD, and immediately receives it with joy and walked out of church and went, whoa, that wasn't that awesome preaching. Yet had no root or root in himself, but endured only for a while. But when trouble or persecution came because of the word, they stumbled. Do you understand trouble is coming? Don't stop going to church because trouble came. Dummy. And because you got a good paying job. Dummy number two. In other words, the the trouble's coming because the devil is after the word you heard. That's why it's coming. Know it and understand that that trouble, if Satan is attacking you, there's a reason he's after you. You have something he wants to take away from you. It isn't your college education. It was the word you heard preached from the word of God. Can you hear me? Because that word will change your life. Nothing, nothing will change your life but the word of God. You will have no grace past truth you receive. You and I are not God. You cannot study yourself into prosperity. You cannot work your way into success. It is a gift from God. Are y'all hearing me? So what should be the primary thing? The word of God. Hearing the word should be. Jesus is making a massive deal about this word, hear me, right here. Let's go on because it... Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who heard the word, but the cares of life, the lawn, the dishes, 
the dog, the, the ballet, stuff. Not bad, not God, just stuff. God's not against you, ballet. He's not against you washing your dishes. He's not against any of that stuff until it gets in the way of the word of God. And Satan knows that. That's why the young man said, I'm busy. Well, you need to get unbusy because the most important thing you've got going on is this man sitting next to you in this pickup truck. That is the biggest thing going on in your life this year. Are you hearing me? And yet, didn't think that was very valuable. I'm doing all right, aren't I? Everybody say, next year. My best year. Now, here's why it will be. Because, because when you have a group of people who get up and go to church on Sunday, those people are hearing Because it takes humility to walk into a church and go, I want to hear the word. You've already begun. All right, now listen to this. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches. Is it okay to have money? Don't make money the goal. Let's go back to what I said. Let me read it to you again. The only grace you have is in proportion to truth you embrace. Don't trade truth for money. Amen. Money, yeah. Ha- Listen, if, if, you, if you think it's wrong to have money, give me yours. I'll take everything you've got. <laughs> I'm not opposed to being rich, 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 richer, and richest. Not even a little bit opposed to it. But I will not walk away from truth to do it, to get it. If, it get, if anything gets in the way of me of, uh, hearing God, it, that has to go an, an, God has, God can bless me. I do not have to fall away from God to be successful. That's a powerful statement. Now you guard your heart and hear, okay. And he becomes unfruitful, but he receives seed on good ground is he who hears. Say hears. Hears the word, understood what was preached, and he bears fruit and, and produces 30, 60, and 100 fold return in his life. Say, it's in the hearing. It's in the hearing. I had a young man that I met uh, uh, several months ago, and I'm going to brag on him. I'm not going to tell you who he is, but he, he invites me out to lunch. And lunch lasts about three hours with him. He is a sponge. He has been sucking the life out of me. He wants to know everything. He's so hungry for God. But he's actually a breath of fresh air. Because he's, he's like, what about the Holy Ghost? And what about this? And what about that? And he has never heard any of this stuff. And he is like hungry for God. How are we doing? We got a brand new year coming right around the corner. I'm cranking my hearing up. Mm -mm -mm. I 
got another. Go, go to Psalm 75, 6. We're doing good for time. I'm going to read something to you. And I want you to think about what I'm fixing to read. Satan trusted in himself. Let me, let me read the definition of humility first. Humility is I cannot do it alone. I need God. That's humility. Pride, I can do it. I got it. I don't need what you're saying. I, I got this. So I'm going to read something to you. Satan trusted him in himself. How did that work out for him? Jesus trusted in God. How did that work out? Nebuchadnezzar trusted in himself. How did that work out? Daniel trusted in God. How did that work out? Saul trusted in himself. How did that work out? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted in God. How did that work out? Judas trusted in himself. How did that work out for him? David trusted in God. How did that work out? Lot trusted in himself. How did that work out? Abraham trusted in God. How did that work out? Paul, Silas, Peter, James, John, Mary, and Pastor Daryl trusted in God. How did that work out? Does anybody see a pattern here? There's a pattern in the Bible of people who went, I don't need that. Not one of them made it. Now, if someone hands you a six shooter with six bullets for you to play Russian roulette, don't. What are the percentages? Oh, really good. You're going to die. I mean, what's, what's the percentages you're going to hit an empty chamber? It's not, there's not a, not a one. People who trust in themselves in 6,000 years, not one of them's ever made it. Would you be the first? No. I don't think so. Woo, this is good preaching. I think. But I'm opinionated. (laughs) We're going to take communion in just a minute. I'm asking this church, I'm going to ask you something. How much of God are you going to allow to work in your life this coming year? This is totally between you and God. There is nothing I can do about your situation. I can't, I can pray for you. But I will tell you, just like the young man I rode down the road with, had he looked at me and said, teach me to be a father. Teach me to walk with God. I could have changed his whole life. I don't care what he did. I don't care how bad he screwed his life up. I'm going to make a statement to you. If you're sitting here right now and everything is screwed up, I mean Everything is screwed up. Not next year. All you and I have to do is say, Father, I'm tired of doing this by myself. I ain't doing it by myself anymore. I'm all ears. Sir, I'm going to open up my Bible and spend time with you. And I'm just going to ask you to start teaching me. Now, let's go back to my original scripture. And I'm going to read it to you again. 
You guys that are having communion, go ahead and begin passing the elements out. I want to read this to you again, and I want we're all going to get in agreement right now. Are we in agreement that we're, I mean, next year is your best year? Yes. He who would love life and see good days, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. That's powerful. That's grace. That's grace, folks. No matter where you are right now, there's grace for the race. Y'all ready to take communion? You guys come on in. Bring them on in. They're bringing it. So we're going to get to do, have communion the last Sunday of the year, which means you get to bury it all behind you. The good, the bad, and the ugly, just bury it. When we get finished with communion, God is going to have washed you so clean, you're going to feel like you just got saved again. There will be nothing holding you back from success. Nothing. Aren't you glad we can take communion and get everything under the blood? I read an article one time, Smith Wigglesworth took communion every day. I thought, we should take communion every day. Well, we'll, we'll, me and Lisa, we'll have to talk about that. I got her up last night out of bed and says, come on in the kitchen. I want to have communion. We took communion before I went to bed last night. I just want to spend some time alone with God. I love, I love doing this. I love, I love what all this means because we get to remember that every good thing that happened in your life happened the day you met Jesus and you did nothing. You did nothing. That's what communion is for, for you to remember that the greatest gr- grace you ever had, you did nothing. So there's no sense in you starting to try to fix it now. It's not up to you. He gives more grace. Thank you, Lisa. Anybody else in the building? He gives more what? Grace. grace. Heavenly Father, you are so good. We're not taking communion. I'm just praying. You keep, just keep passing the elements. You're good. Father, you're so good to us. When we were at our lowest in life, you came. You took our place. You paid the debt. All we had to do was, was, was hear the gospel. The greatest miracle that we've ever received in life happened. And we did nothing except hear it. Father, there also came another day in our life where we walked into a church and we heard about the Holy Ghost. We listened. We heard. And you filled us to overflowing. We just heard about it. Thank you, sir. Father, right now in this room are people. They need a breakthrough. They need things to change. We're not bringing them up here today to take them in their past, all the things they did and messed up. That's unprofitable. So we've chosen today to have communion and to put this year behind us, everything we did, good and bad. And to remember that it was because of Jesus in the first place that we're where we are.
And it's the only reason we're where we are. And that grace came into our life and changed everything. You said in, in the word, he gives more grace. Today, we are after more grace. There are areas of my life that I need breakthroughs in. I think all of us in this room need, need areas. I am ready to hear what you're saying to me. Everything you want to say to me. Because I realize that there's not going to be a breakthrough without it. I receive the truth of the Word of God. My ears are open to hear. Now, Father, I want to say thank you. Everything you've ever done for us. Everything you are doing. And you were like I was. I was riding down the road with that young man. And I wanted a better life for him more than he did. And I think you want a better life for us than even we do. I pray that we have ears to hear now. Are willing to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And I declare over this church that everybody in the sound of my voice, whatever's whatever's plaguing them, whatever's held them back, that at communion today, it's broken. It's gone forever. Whatever, whatever disease, whatever, whatever poverty devil, whatever, whatever is holding them down, it ends today. Satan, your reign ends over their lives in Jesus' name. You no longer will dog them, attack them, or make their life miserable. You cannot and will not do it. And Father, I pray for everybody in the sound of my voice that their whole life, they would go from glory to glory. We give you thanks. If you have the cracker in your hand, please take it in your hand. Father, you said that by the stripes of Jesus, we are the healed. And I declare that to be so, we are the healed. We, ha we, we will not allow sickness and disease to rule and reign in this church. I come against every form of cancer, every illness, arthritis, bursitis, all infirmity of the flesh. As the pastor of this church, I come against it. And I say we will not receive it. We say no to it. We, we hook our faith together and rely on the broken body of Jesus and says, by his stripes, we are the healed. And we thank you. We do this in remembrance of what you did for us in Jesus' name. Go ahead. And Father, thank you for the blood. There was a day that Jesus stepped off this earth and stepped up into heaven, took his blood to the, to the judgment seat, and it became the mercy seat. And it's because of that blood we're accepted today. The Bible says in Revelation, Father, we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. And right now we overcome him again by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not the one that started my salvation. I'm not the one that's going to finish my salvation. You are the beginner and the, the beginning and the end of my salvation with the good work in me. You will complete it, Heavenly Father. And I just plead the blood of Jesus before you because it gives me the access to your grace and your mercies because of Jesus. And I recognize that everything in my life that's good is because of Jesus. And it is with that thought in mind that I take communion because I do remember 
It was what you did for me that I am where I am today. And it'll be because of what you do for us that causes our life to be fruitful in the future. And we acknowledge before God in heaven and every devil in hell that Jesus Christ is Lord and we plead the blood of Jesus. And Father, thank you. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. Now for the ones of you that messed up, it's gone. I don't know whether that's exciting to you, but it is to me. Because there's a lot of things I'd like to change about last year. I just did. Now I get to start over. Zach, I'm glad. I needed to start over again. I don't know about you, but I made some mistakes last year. I know you didn't, but I did. Now Osel did too. How many of you like the fact that no matter how much Satan works to mess you up, you can fix it in five seconds? You just go take communion. He goes, I worked all year to screw his life up. And he got back in fellowship with God and got back under grace and mercy in a nanosecond. How do they do that? And then before I go, this is the, my last sermon this year. And I won't see y'all again till next. Thanks for letting me pastor you. I'll be the first to admit to you I'm a long ways from the perfect human being. Every good thing in this church is God. Every bad thing is me. And Lisa. But it's a great honor to have you guys show up on Sunday morning and come in to hear the Word of God. I pray for you all the time. I pray for you this year. And I'm asking God to give you the best year you have ever had. Everything you're believing God right now for, I am in agreement with you. You will have it. Those things that have plagued you. Now, just remember this. God is going to give you some truth this year. When it comes, embrace it. That's what you need to go up. Amen. You ready? Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.